Shet be your wife. Well, beloved can be all those people who mean so very much to you. Uh, and that's you guys. All you who are listening live, who listen later, who will uh, download a podcast. Just so grateful for every one of you. Uh, we are in the book of Mark, chapter five. This is now the fourth session that we'll spend. Uh, in Mark chapter 5, sometimes we go rather quickly through a chapter, sometimes not quite so quickly. Uh, and this is one of those not quite so quick chapters. Now, there are some people who say you teach verse by verse. Well, uh, yes, um, the, or, or some people who say that's the way, the only way you should teach is verse by verse. I, I want to challenge that notion. Uh, I, I think that we should teach thought by thought. 
then within the thought, look at the particulars of a verse, even within the particulars of a verse, sometimes even word for word, uh, teach in that way. Uh, some, however, when you teach just only verse by verse, sometimes you miss the context of things. Sometimes, in fact, I know verse by verse people, and yes, I'm an expositor, I'm an exegete, uh, but, uh, but sometimes when you go verse by verse, you miss the broader context, not only of the context of a paragraph. Uh, if we didn't have the verses and the numbers, sometimes we would read it differently, perhaps. Um, but then the broader context of a chapter or of a section within a book, uh, or even the broader context of what God says in all of Scripture. And uh, so uh, we work our way down through here kind of concept by concept as it is presented in the text, because I do believe that that is the accurate and best way to, to uh, approach the scriptures, uh, and that keeps things uh, as God has intended them. It's like people who want to say, we don't need to look at the Old Testament. How much of the New Testament is Old Testament, as an example, and then when you Realize where uh, a, an Old Testament loca- an Old Testament quotation is located in the Old Testament. Let me rephrase that: an Old Testament quotation in the New Testament, where where it is located in the Old Testament, it can make such a difference in how we understand things. That's what I'm trying to say. You have uh, location and anyway, location New Testament, location Old Testament gives you the more thorough understanding of the context. And not that we necessarily do all that. I'm just trying to underscore the fact that some who go, we'll just, we go word by word, verse by verse. Um, that isn't always necessarily the best way to go. So we go down through here, section by section, and see what we can learn. We're picking up in verse 27 today. Jesus has healed a few people already, and... Uh, He's called some people uh, to be fishers. In fact, he didn't even call them. Uh, he he just said, from now on, you will be fishers of men. He didn't say, leave your boats and follow me, but they left their boats in the early part of this chapter. They left their boats and followed Jesus. He didn't tell them to, but they did. And that's you know for us to work through, or we called to leave what we're doing or, or to continue what we're doing. Uh, and then when we go down through a little bit further. He has healed a few people to authenticate the, the power of his message and the veracity, the truthfulness of his message. Uh, and now we get down to a place where we see him calling yet another who will follow after him. So we pick up here in verse 27, Luke chapter 5. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi told a great. Uh, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to the disciples, "Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners?" Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is Jesus' exchange with them. Now, I'm going to put this over into the message so we can uh, look at it from maybe just a slightly different uh, 
angle and see if there's some nuances that we might uh, we might appreciate coming out of the message. So let me dig that out for us here. And we will look at the message paraphrase uh, and see what understanding it might provide. After this, he went out and saw a man named Levi uh, at his work collecting taxes. Jesus said, come along with me. And he did. He walked away from everything and went with him. Levi gave a large dinner as home for Jesus, and everybody was there. Tax men and other uh, disreputable characters as guests at the dinner. The Pharisees and their religion scholars came to the disciples greatly offended. What is he doing eating and drinking with crooks and sinners? Jesus heard about it and spoke up. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. I I love the way that Peterson puts that for us here. I'm going to put this back over into the uh, NIV, and we will stick with that uh, with that as our our study uh, version this morning. Now, it is likely that Levi had observed some things. It is likely that uh, Levi had heard some things. It's it's, it's likely that uh, Levi had perhaps witnessed the miracles. And I do appreciate the humanity that the chosen movie, uh, not movie, but uh, television series brings to the characters. Uh, Is it totally accurate? We we don't know Um, in sense of the way that they kind of color the humanity, but it does give you something to think about. Uh, It is likely that Levi had seen, had heard, uh, I mean, who who of us would, if some stranger walked up to us and just said, follow me, would just leave everything and follow them? We'd be saying, well, who are you? Uh, why should I follow you? Uh, where are you leading me? Where are you taking me? What about my work? What about my livelihood? What about, what about, what about, what about? Again, it is likely that Levi had observed some things. Uh, and, and again, the Chosen series really does color this in, in such a marvelous way. I. I think, um, and I know I have many friends or some friends, not, not many, but some who would say, well, you can't trust the chosen. Well, it does help us understand perhaps how God works in human hearts. Um, and they do try to go along with the narrative. Some things maybe are a little out of place uh, here and there, but they are painting a picture of, of, you know, over time, God working in people's hearts. This is Levi. Um this is an occasion now, and you go back and compare what was said up in uh, the first verses of this chapter. And let me put those verses up here. Jesus did not say at this point to to the men uh, up in chapter five and verse ten. Uh, he doesn't say follow me. He just says to them, "Don't be afraid from now, and you will catch men." Now, perhaps earlier on, he had said, come and see. Maybe by now he said, come and follow. And maybe they weren't quite to the point where they were ready to follow yet. Um, But Jesus is telling them, even in the midst of what they're doing, and so I would say to you, even in the midst of what you're doing, even in the midst of what your livelihood may be, the Lord may be saying to you, where you work, where, where you 
shop, even there, um, you will catch men. Uh, you will bring them to Jesus. You will be a fisher of men. Uh, but just comparing what is said in verse 10 with what we read a little bit lower here in the passage where we're talking about Levi, he now says to Levi, those words, follow me. And there they are, follow me. So Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Now, Levi was making a living for himself. You have now the fishermen, they're leaving what they're doing to follow Jesus. You now have a tax collector and, and, Peterson so accurately uh, portrayed this because he said disreputable uh, characters is the way Peterson translated uh, a little bit later down here in this section. Disreputable. Well, why would a, a tax collector be disreputable? Because they they added extra fees onto things. I mean, here's the tax, but oh, there's my handling fee, and there's the the tax surcharge. Oh, and there's the the officer surcharge because I have to have an officer uh, guarding uh, and watching over, so I have to charge a fee for that. And they had all these extra fees that weren't actually a part of the tax, and that was known, and the Romans allowed for that. And so tax collectors weren't highly liked. I mean, even, even when they're going by the book, a lot of times we don't like taxes all that much. We don't like paying taxes. We don't like you know, uh, any of that whatsoever. So to call Levi is to call a person that, that most in society wouldn't like. Now, you would think if Jesus were being really strategic, he would be finding the popular people. You would think that Jesus would be finding the, you know, the pop stars of his day, that Jesus would be finding the, the, uh, Governmental leaders of his day, you would think that Jesus would be going after the elite of his day. You would be thinking that Jesus would be going after the people of influence of his day. And that's exactly what Jesus did not do. Jesus went to the least likely people and called them to become followers because in them there was the most radical transformation that took place in their lives that uh, that people would see, they would see the change in Matthew, uh, Levi, who would be called Matthew, uh, they would see the change in him and go, what gives? What happened to him? How did his life change so very, very drastically that uh, that he's he's such a different character, such a different person? And, and so people would... Uh, maybe listen up because they realize that here's this character who is a much different character now than what he had been before. So what does Levi do? Levi got up, left everything and followed him. And it says in the text, and this is what we can do. It says Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. I mean, he had a stream of relationships. It's called a relational stream. And so within Levi's relational stream were other tax collectors. What did he do? He said, hey, I'm going to have a banquet. Come to my house. Uh, not only did he invite tax collectors, but it says there were others eating with them, probably those that, that were within those circles, within that relational stream. And and for you and I to learn um uh, 
how to reach people in our relational stream. And maybe that would have been a more apt title, uh, influencing people in our relational streams, because that's exactly what Levi is doing here. He is influencing other people who were like him, others who were uh, tax collectors. So, okay, what is your field? What is your line of work? You know, if you're in the if you're in the nursing field, do you uh, influence people uh, who are nurses who maybe don't know Jesus? Uh, if you are in a, maybe some of you uh, are retired. So how do you influence those people? Or maybe you have the necessity of going to the doctors and, and to uh, hospitals quite frequently. Do you influence those people? Levi influenced people in his relational stream. And so out of this is a great model for us to follow in terms of what Levi did. He went to people he knew. You and I would go to people that we know and seek to influence them for Jesus. Now, how do you do that? Uh, You invite them to church, right? Well, I mean, yeah, you can do that. But friends, listen, that, that is... That is mid-school. That is like uh, what we do in when we're middle school students, okay? We, we're acting like junior hires when, when it's just like, well, I'm going to invite people to church. And I'm sorry if that's offensive to you, but that's part of the problem in American church is we act like uh, middle school kids, um, you know, come come to church. Well, no, and I'm not opposed to that. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a good thing. But... What we need to do is not invite them to church. We need to invite them to Bell the Cat or Darby's or Rollies or uh, here in March, I think uh, Bowen's Tavern is going to open up with a little bit different uh, flavor to it and a little bit different focus to it from what I was told by the owners. Uh, so maybe you'll invite people there. Have a meal with me or maybe you'll have a party at your home. Uh, one of the things that, that I do for the college is I we, we host desserts where we can talk to people about the college. Well, maybe you'd host a dessert, and I'd be glad to come to your dessert and talk to people about Jesus. Uh, and that's exactly what Levi did. He got together some friends, uh, and maybe it was common that they would get together and have a banquet, get together and have a meal, get together and have a barbecue, uh, and... Uh, Maybe not that uncommon, but at this instance, what Levi did is he's inviting Jesus to come and so they can expose his friends, so he can expose his friends to Jesus. What a great example that we have from how Levi responded. He left everything and followed. And again, I'm not saying that you're called to leave what you do. Please don't. But for those who are called, to leave everything and follow. That's what you need to do. When God says, I want you to become a missionary, you become a missionary. Now, in a certain sense, yes, we're all missionaries. We all have a mission field to whom we should reach. But some of us, like myself, uh, were called to leave everything and to follow. I was called to leave my Ford tractors and my Farmall tractors and my John Deere tractors and my Holstein cows to follow after Jesus and to become a uh, to, to be one who would preach the gospel to others. Now, how did people respond? How did the elite of the culture, how did the elite of the society respond? 
It says this, verse 30, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belong to their sect, these are the religious snobs. Uh, they complain to the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, friends, I, I want to underscore, I mean, they're eating, they're drinking, they're part A, they shouldn't be hanging out with those types of people. But then also it says to drink. Um, and later on we will read where they will call Jesus a a, a, a drunkard. And the indication of that, the implication of that is maybe Jesus drank some. And uh, from where I sit, from my perch, I, Jesus did turn water to wine. No, it wasn't grape juice. Yes, it was fermented. Uh, and I do think Jesus likely imbibed, not ever once becoming drunk. I, I do believe that is the case because that would be sinful. We're told not to be drunk. Um, although, remember, Ephesians 5.18 wasn't written yet. Um, and I think that through some of the people, uh, and I think even in our day, it throws some people, uh, when you see that, uh, and the Pharisees are saying, here he is, he's eating with them. He's drinking with them. He's with those sinful people. Uh, and, and we need to get beyond people who are all religious snobs and say, well, who are you, who are you reaching? Who are you pointing to Christ? Who are you drawing into relationship with Christ through your through your approach? Verse 31, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And in fact, I think there's a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek in verse 32, because those who would call themselves righteous actually maybe weren't as righteous as what they thought, because they were self-righteous. They were they, they were religious snobs. They were self-righteous. And, and those of you who've been listening to me for any length of time know that I think that, that, that self-righteousness smells worse than chicken poop. You know, if you've ever been around Lancaster County area in Pennsylvania, when they go out and they spread the chicken manure in the fields, oh, my, 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 does it smell. I don't know of anything that smells. There probably are smells that smell worse, but it doesn't smell very good, does it, Walter? Um, unless you are partial to that type of fresh country air. Um, Self-righteousness, in my opinion, is, is it just stinks. It reeks. It's, it's, it, it, it turns people off. It turns people's noses. We need to have a, a, upon us the aroma of Christ, the, the, the distinct, you know, when people are around us, they, they get the sense, oh, my, they... There's something about them that smells so sweet and wonderful, and that sweetness is Jesus. But I also want to point out one other thing in verse 32. He says, I do not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. It doesn't say that he just came to call them to love them, to say, hey, it's good good live the way you're living. It's just fine. Uh, uh, it, I just want to love on you, and you can stay as you are. no doesn't say that in the text. I, I want to underscore that he does call them to repentance. And, and we other passages would tell us that some of these tax collectors, as an example, we'll later on read about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus got down and he went and he, he made things right with people as best as he was able. That's what repentance looks like. Repentance looks like turning away from it, getting out of it, and, and, and then living for Christ, that's what repentance looks like. Now, I want to press down into this uh, remaining section here. And uh, wait a minute. 
there's some conversation going on over in my chat here um, about chicken manure, about dairy manure. Uh, and uh, Walter saying, I prefer dairy air. Dairy air, not dairy air, but dairy air, you know, farm Holstein air. Dairy air could be rear end. So I just, just want to clarify what I'm saying for those of you who are only listening. Uh, it says, uh, and Fran responds, shovel is a teen, worst ever. Eva, that is a main word for ever. And then uh, you get in here, and uh, I, I shoveled a lot of it, too. And used pitchfork for years and years and years and years. And, you know, uh, anyway, that is what self-righteousness can smell like is manure. And that's, that's a little bit of what we're talking about. Now, I, let me press this in. I want to finish this chapter this morning. It says, they said to him, John's disciples fast, uh, and, and pray. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. He told them this parable, no one tears a patch of a new garment and sews, sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new one will not match the old. So no one pours new wine in old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one drinking uh, old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. The old wine should have been better. Uh, the old wine should have been tasty. And that's what he's saying. The, the old is better. But, but here's what he's getting at. I, I've brought something new here. And if you try to pour what I'm talking about into the old system, it's going to burst it. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, and this relates some with church planting. This relates sometimes with church change. Uh, sometimes uh, people want to bring too much change to a, an institution, to a church, and it bursts it, it ruins it, it splits it, it fractures it uh, because they bring too much change. So there are books written about pouring you know, uh, new wine into new wine skins, not old wine skins. And uh, there, there is thought about the idea of, you know, you, you can't just go in and, and radically completely change church. If you want to do all the new things and you're going to reach a different type of people, maybe you need to do it with new, with new garment. And that new garment might be a new church. Uh, and, and that's part of what Jesus is getting at here. And, um, something that we sometimes don't don't understand and how do, how does what Jesus has has to say here in these verses Luke 5:33 through 39 relate to change in a church sometimes you can't change it that much and sometimes i mean Jesus and even the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter they would move on from uh from the Jewish people to the Gentiles because uh, what God wanted to do globally, and the Jews weren't receiving the message, uh, th this new message was was like the, the the new wine being poured in, and as it grew, it would it would burst, it, it would break the old wine skins. And so 
you pour new wine into new wine skins. And, and what is the what is the illustration there? It's very simple. Wine as it ferments expands. You ever set a jug of apple cider out somewhere where it's warm and just watch the the, the jug expand until it nearly explodes? Well, that's exactly what happens with wine. And and you know the old wine skin. If you put new wine in an old wine skin that's already stretched, it can't stretch no more. And what's it going to do? It's it's probably going to split, and you're going to lose the wine. You're going to lose. The benefit, no, he says this in verse 38, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. And I mean, there's even something you could take out of that about the idea is is what is the older better. I mean, you could perhaps read into that. Sometimes the new and that which is really chic looking doesn't have a lot of depth or a lot of substance or, or maybe it's even missing some things. So new isn't always better uh, is another aspect here. Sometimes that which is old and, and, and older and, and, and well fermented maybe is far, far better than what is new. But we need to realize these things. So you have the new, you have the old, and in both of them you could have something wonderful in terms of churches. So we revitalize churches and we plant churches. We do both things. Our focus is on both things. Why? For the distribution of the gospel. I mean, Jesus, he's questioned about fasting and why are your disciples fasting? He's the bridegroom. He's with them. They can't fast. Now the day would come when they wouldn't want to eat at his crucifixion. They won't want to eat because of fear. They won't want to eat because they'll be so unsure of of what's going on that, uh, and so heartbroken that he's been crucified that, and they left all their work, they left their livelihood, they left everything to follow him until his resurrection. And then they'll begin rethinking it and, and they will be changed even more and even more radically empowered to live out the gospel in their lives. Well, friends, I've been the half hour already. We've worked our way here through Uh, The entirety now of Luke chapter 5, may we be inspired, may we be inspired about uh, the new works that God wants to do. You know, what would new works look like in Belfast, close to where we live? I don't think another church that looks like our church is what Belfast needs. I don't think another church looks like Calvary Chapel is what Belfast needs. I don't think another church that looks like uh, Central Church is what Belfast needs. I think it needs a church that will sit at tables and talk and converse with people uh, and, and have a much more slower go at changing people who maybe look at the way we function as church and go, I don't want nothing to do with that. But maybe they're quite curious when and would have conversations in evangelistic discovery Bible studies. Just planting some seeds there, things to think about. Lord, help us. Help us to live for you. Help us to live in such a way that uh, we don't burst the old wineskins. Help us to know how to pour into new wineskins. Lord, help us to, to be like Jesus and how to, to spend time with people that maybe the world of the church might go, we shouldn't be with those people. Those are the very people Jesus did go to. In fact, he said, as I am sent, so send I you. So the very people that we would be sent to. Help us to be used evangelistically. For fruit, fruit that will last, fruit that will bring you glory. 
Lord, make us more fruitful in our following of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, that's it. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.